Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Welcome back, Andy. Back you, got the, uh, you got the healthy glow of a man who's just been, spent a week of his life living the salt life. Um, yeah, look at that farmer's tan. My goodness gracious. We call that I did a, a lot of, I did a lot of sitting on the chair on the beach and, uh, you know, just like a, a just a nice little button up on just reading books, enjoying the, the weather. So I did get in a little bit of a, a little bit of a farmer's tan, but what you, you can do. You want to comment on any of the highlights or, uh, is, just, is, I would, uh, a great I would time, recommend great time had by all. I would recommend ocean Island beach. Uh, as a small little community with like, there's like two or three beaches with a lot of public parking and a lot of little, you know, shops and restaurants right by them. And a lot of, I mean, it's the fucking grand strand. There's like 60 miles of beach. I mean, it's, it's that whole area from Myrtle up was cool. And yes, this is a Myrtle beach Pelicans hat go a uh, lifetime fan of the single a ball club down there with the Cubs, <laughs> but uh, Myrtle, Myrtle beach is just an absolute disaster. Like, <laughs> such a fucking tourist trap down. I, I, I could, I, yeah, I don't, it's, I, it's, no, it's no fine. Dis- like, no it's, I have an eight year old and 11 year old, like, hey, let's go. We played, I think we played five different mini golf courses, maybe. Oh, now you're talking. We I did a shitload of, yeah, shit load of uh, go karting, you know, shopping, that sort of thing. But definitely just enjoy the beach. Um, really good restaurants, obviously, good seafood. I don't get good fresh crab. I caught some crabs off the back deck. I was I went fishing, and uh, accidentally just like a crab got a hold of my bait, so I pulled it up, and the kids caught it in the net. They're like, "Yeah, let's cook this thing!" And I start. I'm sitting on the pier, googling how to like. It's like how to humanely kill a crab and and cook it. Like you put it in your freezer and then stab it in the ganglia with a sharp knife. It's like I'm not doing any of this. Like I'm on vacation. Looks like, like I, you had a killer spot, man. Good pick. Yeah, there's a place up the road that just sells these pre-cooked. I, mean, <laughs> I did. I did buy some shrimp from a roadside stand. They were very good. Shrimps. You could tell, like the dude sitting there had just gone out all morning picking traps and stuff. Of course. Of course, oh, that's but, awesome, so, man. Yeah, well seafood done. is good. Would recommend. Would recommend it, and then uh, yeah, uh, it's fun to be back in the heat dome. It is warmer in Minnesota than it is down there. Although I will say, um, the temperature of the water was just like perfect. Ah, uh, okay. You know, you know that refreshing, feeling, like, but not like cold. Yeah, like right. when you when you get in the water and it's just like, ah, uh, this is perfect. Like that. That's such a chef's kiss little thing that you just you don't think about until it happens. Like, man, because you know what happens when you get up to about the, you know, the family jewels there and you have to do that thing where you have to get in quick. And yeah. Like, oh, and it just takes. Oh. <laughs> Nobody likes that. So, but happy to be back. I'm probably going to tell wife to move beach vacation to July. I missed whole week of preseason football <laughs> it seems like kind of annoyed by that it seemed like you were kind of plugged into what was happening yeah but still so next speaking week, of uh, a team that uh has not had a glorious preseason so far we're gonna dive into one now and it is the bottom dwellers by market of the afc south in the houston texans now these guys 
have been a mess for four years. Like it's the crazy. direction of the franchise has felt really, really um, tough to pin down for now about four years. You know, the last yeah, year of the Bill O'Brien driving it wasn't the that car long off the cliff. Through. No, they were in the uh, second round of the playoffs and had the Chiefs at a three touchdown deficit, right? 24 nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, well, not only that, but I mean, several years in a row, they were like perennial. Hey, we're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. We're going to win a game or two. We have a mm-hmm. quarterback. We have some wide receivers. We're missing a few pieces. But it has been a really, really, really tough three years where we've gone through a bunch of coaches, a bunch of coordinators, a bunch of quarterbacks, a bunch of players. And and it's funny, too, in any preview you'll read or listen to, we'll obviously talk about, like, it was a bad season, and then they they capped it off by winning a game that they shouldn't have. Yes. Like, Absolutely not only ridiculous. just Not only just, like, oops, the other team played really bad and we won, but, like, a late game fourth and forever that yeah. they converted to, to win this game kind of dick themselves out of the one seed. I didn't have a ton of notes on 2022 outside of just the... At least they didn't compound, least they didn't compound that mistake by then trading away next year's number one so that they could satiate the new coach who wanted a defensive difference maker and presumably the ownership who was determined to get a quarterback, right? Oh, they did. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I hadn't even got into 2023's draft yet. Yeah. Like, like seriously, yeah. the, the only highlight I had was th- there was a bunch of bad games. And then for some reason they had some, you know, they had a couple games where they were very much competitive, good teams. But uh, yeah, the, the one game that really stuck out to me was the Deshaun Watson return game. The final <laughs> score of that game, Drew, do you remember? Uh, 27-13? 27-14, very close. Okay. One offensive touchdown in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one until I dug in. I'm like, oh yeah, that was the weirdest game, and and then right after that, they they took the Cowboys to the limit. I sound like took Jackson, the lady to the <laughs> limit. <laughs> took to, to, to the limit, and then they pushed they pushed Kansas City as well, and uh, it was a very uneven year, despite you know the how bad the record looked. Just well, you know, you know why, and, and, you know why, I mean, it's because they didn't they didn't have an NFL caliber head coach. Like yeah, the, you had yet had coach basically nobody else was gonna really can seriously consider Lovey Smith as like some long-term answer as head coach. I don't think they did either. They, this is a placeholder. Uh, you didn't have a quarterback that you were super comfortable going forward with, even though you did go forward with them. Your first for your, your high-end draft picks ended up injured and in Stingley, who played well, and Mechie, who uh you know missed time. With the, I mean, the whole season. So, like, a lot of what, uh, what was going to be the positives coming into the season didn't really come to fruition. Obviously, you had some nice things on defense. You had some, some positives in the run game at times, but otherwise, a really dreadful season. And yeah, let's dig into that trade because. Okay. Well, wait, well let's, let's let's wipe wipe yeah, away yeah. the week week eight. No, no, I think I think we whatever. Gotta... No, 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 Drew. Let's yeah, just go. say whatever. Like they got the they got the two the the number two pick. It's fine. They got a quarterback. Yeah. I really, really, the more, it's only been since April. I feel like I've lost some of the context and the gravitas of how how big that trade was, how yeah. much they gave up. Like, you basically, you need Will Anderson to play at an all-pro level for, like, the next 15 years. 
really justify what's going on here. Yeah, like, they gave up a shitload of picks for this. I'd forgotten how how heavy the the haul was. Like, yeah. I mean, good for good for everyone else involved, but like that's that seemed like a, a problem and like a terrible God, decision. I, I did have a quote. Yeah. I did have a quote here from uh, our friend Clev Ta because adding on to that with the you know just not only the free agent moves they made in the offseason here but what they've done over this journey of four years his quote from his little preview is says it felt like houston never has a real plan of building but rather just sign whatever veterans will take their money yes <laughs> that's kind of, like that's perfect like that's exactly what happened like when you look at all the people they added to this roster too it's just like this is a weird plan and i yeah. get that you're so far away from being you know a contender that you take whatever but man this is yeah it's up there with lance it's up there with the ricky williams like it's a it's a pretty rough trade Although, yeah it was bad good in um, well, let's cut we'll, we'll come back to this in a minute because that that does deserve a little more scrutiny and i would like to get your opinion on what the fuck happened on draft day with the texans because it was weird um that was uh uh, that was as as wild a set of circumstances as I could have imagined when we woke up that morning. Um, the weird kind of dissolution of the franchise, in my opinion, starts with the owner. I don't know that there are, you know, I don't know that the stewards at top at the top really have a vision for what they want a professional football team how they want it to operate in uh, in today's day and age. It certainly seems like um, they have had indecision and you know mixed mixed uh, um, uh, voices in terms of putting a uh, you know was was uh, Nick Nick Cesario putting him in charge but not really kind of giving him the keys um, having the Easterby guy around who was had no business making football decisions but having huge impact in the that you know that couple year stretch there um, the hiring of David Cully in the first place was weird and terrible and doomed to fail from everyone who looked on it from the outside Bill O'Brien stripped that thing down to the absolute studs and sold everything for spare parts to try to save his job at the end it did not work um, the you know the the firing of Cully was justified and then the hiring process for you know, flirting with Luke McCown, but then ultimately, or Josh McCown, whichever McCown they were flirting with, and then ultimately pivoting back and, and elevating Lovey Smith was like, a, you know, the last time this guy was a head coach, it was at the University of Illinois, and he got fired, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah well, it was a bad luck. tenure. Yeah, it was okay. Best of luck. Um, like, that was doomed to fail, and I think the, you know, the 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 two funniest results on their entire schedule in 2022 Week one, tying the Colts, who people had buzzed incessantly all offseason about. The Colts were one of the buzziest teams last year, and we'll say we'll get to them in a little bit. They tied them <laughs> in week one, knocking out everyone who picked Colts again in Survivor. Um, and uh, and then week 18, which you mentioned, um, losing, you know, beating the Colts and ultimately losing out on the number one overall pick in the way that they did was just mind meltingly stupid. Um, this team was one 12 and one and had the one seed on lock heading into Christmas Eve, new year's swing. They beat the Titans, they beat the Colts and uh, the rest is history. The bears get the number one uh, pick. Then 
it's clear you got to move on from Davis Mills. Davis Mills started 15 games for this uh, team, and with Kyle Allen started the other two, I think. Um, there was some Dre- Jeff Driscoll in here. I don't remember that. Um, the this none of it was comp- none of it was competent quarterback play. None of it was competent offense. This was an unwatchable uh, product on the offensive side of things. Um, I again kind of can't believe that they what they the plan that they put together the uh didn't they bring like pep hamilton out of retirement to to try to run an offense with davis mills is and you know brandon cooks is his number one target like this was this was uh doomed to fail from jump street but they didn't have any young talent that because they had given away all their draft picks so they are they were where they were um the first decision to hire Demeco ryan's i think we can all agree was at least on paper looks to be a great call like okay you finally have made a decision that proves that you are a functional franchise. Good job. The next set of stories about having a deal in principle with the Bears to swap one, two, and ultimately fumbling the bag to the tune of the Bears being like, we don't know if they're serious or not. Panthers, do you want this pick? And getting a you know a better package ultimately from the Panthers to trade down to nine. Uh, that story is has real legs. I think that's true. And it basically cost the Texans, the guy they had already decided that they wanted, and Bryce Young. And it sent their entire draft process into a tailspin because from what I can tell, they, are, they gave Demeco Ryan some say in building the team and who he wanted to use on that pick. The ownership was not especially involved in vetting any of the players. They just came in at the last minute and said, no, you're taking a quarterback. And Cesario kind of stuck in the middle, said, okay, well, how do we actually accomplish this? Um, Okay, everybody, you know, everybody that knows anyone at ESPN knows they had the, you know, pre-draft meeting. Tennessee was had an agreement in principle to trade up to the three pick. Their target was CJ Stroud. My guess is that at that point, McNair or his wife or whoever said, we don't care who it is. You're taking a quarterback at two. And they decided, you know what? If we take Stroud, that takes the Titans offer off the table to trade into the three. And then we can trade into the three and get Demeco Ryan's his guy too. And all it's going to cost us is our future. <laughs> and everybody's happy and nobody has like an internal mutiny. And it kind of, you know, prevents there being like a meaningful power struggle. That's my general read on what happened. Does that check out to you at all? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I feel like we could write whatever fan fiction we want about this and sure. even embellish on all the stuff and all of it, we could pass it off to somebody else who follows the stuff and they'd be like, I mean, yeah, that might have happened because of just the ineptitude that we saw, I mean, bleeding over from the old regime, which which kind of sucks because I, I'm, I'm hopeful for this team. I'm hopeful for this, you know, the how they moved on from some of the pieces in the front office and I don't hate the hiring and yeah, <laughs> Ryan's making, I'm, I'm 95% sure it's D'Amico. D'Amico. But okay. now you, you've, you've accepted it in me yeah. or I've, I've got Berenstein bear syndrome or whatever, where I can't. I'm just I'm, reading uh, it. I'm just reading it. Off the, I think it's, uh, yeah. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with D'Amico. Okay. D'Amico. I'm, I'm for, I'll, I'm I'll, allow sure <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. But I, you know, there is a little bit of uncertainty surrounding this coaching staff because there's not a, you know, the, not a ton of experience. And then you also have the, 
you know, the, the rookie quarterback and a lot of kind of spare pieces thrown in here. So like, my, my hopefulness around this team is gone as soon as it's arrived, kind of like the last few years. But yeah, I just, they were in such a good position. It was similar to what we said. And we always hearken back to like two years ago in the draft, there was like two or three teams that had such nice hauls. Both New York teams were great examples. Like, man, Go get some players and turn your teams around. And obviously the Jets crutched that all the way up and down the board. And even, yeah, even the Giants, Timido and uh, the linemen and the last few years and what they've done with their coaching staff. It's like, man, you were in that same catbird seat. And I guess, yeah, you might've got your quarterback and you might've got a really high end defensive player, but you're still, you're in the part of the rebuild where you should be like, looking at next year and be like, man, look at all those high draft picks we have again. <laughs> yeah. No, you should be doing the opposite like, of what they're doing. You still need to be accumulating picks. The fact yeah, that you they, had they doing should, 12 was a huge coup. You needed to do that for next year as well. Yeah. They, they're sitting in. And truthfully, like if, if this very inexperienced coaching staff with a rookie quarterback and all this stuff turns out poorly right off the bat, like, Hey, guess what? And, you know, right away people pan this and made all kinds of hypotheticals about this, but like, Man, you might have given away a top 10. You probably gave away a top 10 pick. You might have given away a top five, you know, pick right off the yeah. bat. So, yeah. like, I, I just, I really, really hated yeah. You know who uh, has it, good chemistry with CJ Stroud, Andy? Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. You know who has a better chance of getting Marvin Harrison Jr. than you do next year? The Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Because they have your pick. <laughs> you're not getting, you're not trading into the, any kind of range to get Marvin Harris Jr. to pair with CJ Stroud to make that experiment work. I don't have a strong opinion on CJ Stroud one way or the other, and we'll get there, I guess. But um, I think the process was brutally flawed. I think they, they cut, they, they navigated in a way that kept everybody in the house from fighting with each other because. Uh, you know, presumably if Cesario did things to the beat of his own drum and didn't listen to ownership, didn't listen to the coach, he was going to be the odd man out and he knew it. So instead he, you know, took this path. Um, but whatever the case is, uh, it was a, it was a pretty poor, you know, pretty poor usage of allocation of resources, which is what got him here in the first place, which is why it was pretty frustrating to see it play out. And, you know, this is kind of the first, uh, you know, first, you know, first black mark on D'Amico Ryan's resume, really, because you know he should know better. He shouldn't be like, "Well, it's so important for me to have the best defensive player in this draft that I'm willing to sacrifice the future." No, what, what? You know, you, you should you should do better. And maybe you know, maybe there are some questions about the talent evaluation in the building. Taking Stingley over Sauce Gardner looks like a mistake. Yeah, I mean, short-term, short small sample, it does, because Sauce obviously popped, but you never know with the nature-nurture of if would he have done that with a different coaching staff. Maybe the Jets have something special in, in developing players like that right now. And I, Stingley was good before he was injured. I mean, not great. Obviously, nowhere near Sauce, but there's still t that's still a time-will-tell kind of thing that that might have been an okay pick. And it's tough. Player evaluation, we dog on people so much, and I'm Obviously, we're all guilty of this. It's so easy in hindsight, but sure. Uh, it, but to your point, when it becomes a pattern of like, oh, you guys can't, like, you can't draft this type of player for shit. Like we've seen it over, over, like, or you know, the opposite of just like, hey, the oh, the Steelers drafted a third round wide receiver. 
like that guy's going to be good. Like they just have that figured out. Mm-hmm. There's some teams that it, it becomes a pattern of that. But I mean, again, to, to they took point, uh, they took an offensive lineman in the middle of the first round last year, Andy. Uh, Kenyon yeah. Green, you know how he graded? Not great. Uh, you know who went right after another interior offensive lineman, Zion Johnson, who graded well. <laughs> they so you whiffed on both positions you drafted, where a guy comes off the board in that positional group and is better in his rookie year. Um, you could have addressed the quarterback position last year. You would have had first choice with either one of your picks. <laughs> you could have gotten, uh, you know, your CB one and your QB one in the same draft if you won last year. Well, and, no. and or just if you would have just stayed pat at. 12 was it mm-hmm. 11 12 where were they sure like there was uh last yeah, year, 12, or this, year? Was, this year 12, 12. Yeah. this year 12. if they had stayed pat at 12 uh i mean if you wanted to go defensive end if you wanted to go pass rush you got van ness you had mcdonald yeah. out there you could have traded back for probably one of those guys you could have ad- addressed more of the offensive line issues if you wanted to you still had broderick jones out there you've your secondary needs help. Obviously, all the corners were pretty much out there. Yeah. Save, uh, you know, save uh, Witherspoon at that point. You could have gone a lot of different directions just sitting at the twelve. And again, we're we're looking at it with the hindsight of knowing what happened in the draft. But at that same yeah. point, like all of those guys were not going to be gone. Like Dude. Uh, the, I, I named two two defensive linemen. I named some offensive linemen. I named some quarterbacks. Like all of those guys were not going to be gone by 12. Yeah. You could have taken one of those guys had next yeah. year's picks. And if, and last year, by the way, in taking Kenyon green, we know, I think we know since surely that four of the five offensive linemen that went in the first round after him are better players. The only guy we don't know about is Trevor is penning because he just hasn't played, but uh, Zion Johnson's a better player. Um, Tyler Smith is a much better player. Tyler Smith might be a life. Tyler like Smith. A, it, it, might, it might be a you know a ten year you know bookend for the Cowboys. Linderbaum Cole looks Strange like a better player. Starting. to me. Cole Strange is a better player, but although yeah. albeit injured. So yeah, there were four offensive linemen who were better than the guy you took last year at fifteen. So you know, there's a talent evaluation issue there, surely, um, on top of a process issue with trading up to the third pick this year, um, and. You know, that's going to ultimately hold this team back from ever really contending. Um, now, congratulations. You now have a coach and a quarterback and a couple, a couple true pro pro players on your roster now. So you've put yourself in contention for purgatory in a year or two. So good job there. Um, I just don't know how, you know, how this thing pivots to the degree that they are realistically contending in a super, super, super tough AFC for any time in the foreseeable future. And, um, you know. I mean, at least you're in the AFC South, I guess. Um, maybe. Yeah, there's your there's your your silver lining is that plus the you know the the multitude of unknowns because unknowns can be positive. Yeah, we don't. Uh, you know, I I phrase it as inexperience at coach, but a lot of times you know you you know maybe maybe your talent evaluation lies in finding a good coach. Yeah. Hasn't been the case for the last years, but a little bit of different regime. And, you know, we've seen good things come from the, the Shanahan tree, even on the, the defensive side coming out of here. So, and that, that's where I do wonder about some of this, uh, you know, how you have like, you know, McVeigh or Shanny and you don't have a true OC. Like, hey, here's a guy who's the OC, but you know who the OC is. This is how it works. I call plays on the head coach. I wonder what the, what the dynamic will be. It's sometimes a little different with a defensive minded head coach and you know how that works because like 
when when you don't know who some of these people are and you start digging in because that, that's what I do on these you know you just go to their Wikipedia page like hey where did this guy coach and it's hilarious because um it goes back to the Vikings podcast <laughs> where we did where I was like I was dogging on Flores a little where I said hey he's great he turned the team around but he didn't do it in year one year one they were like 31 in the league in fucking everything defensively it took him a full year and he had to get some guys in there and i'm 90% sure that's he that's who he took over for was was matt burke yeah matt burke was the defensive coordinator in miami before they brought flores in and obviously those teams were very bad defensively so i'm curious what the what the dynamic looked like between him and, and ryan's and then you know jim bob cooter as somebody pointed out i think it was in the the football outsiders one pointed out like this is a different kind of feel uh if they are i mean either quarterback but if they're going to go with the rookie because it's a kind of a it's going to be a different kind of offensive look from what he's been used to with stafford and i mean even trevor like hey these are pocket passers these are and you know, obviously trevor runs a little bit we got we got that rookie rushing uh over under home didn't we <laughs> Three yards or something. Yeah. But okay. um it's it's gonna be a little bit of a there's a lot of moving parts and you can't judge preseason games too seriously for a lot of reasons and yeah. everything comes with a ton of context, but it hasn't looked it hasn't looked great. There's no. been a little bit of flashes, but offensive line. The offensive like line has been so poor in the preseason. I don't even know if you can really realistically judge them. Uh I want to comment on the Bobby Sloakire real quick. Um Son of uh, Bob Slowick, uh, would you believe it? There's uh, apparently some sort of uh, legacy involved in hiring of offensive assistants in the NFL. This is crazy. Um, not saying this is nepotism, obviously. It's, there's more to it. You're involved in the game at a very young age if your dad is the Czechs defensive coordinator of the Bears. How about that? Did you know he was the Bears defensive coordinator from 93 to 99? and uh, Oh, sorry, 98. Then he had one year stint in Cleveland, one year stint in Green Bay, two year stint in Denver. Uh, ultimately uh, spent a decent amount of time there. At, or spent Bob Slowick still coaches. He does. Okay. Well, he's not in the NFL anymore, right? No, he's with the Alouettes. Oh, he's the Alouettes now. Okay. Thank you. He's a um, defensive assistant. Sloak was uh, a PFF guy. Oh, okay. Cool. No, uh, no, the, the younger, the younger one. Bobby Sloak was. Okay. Yeah. Well, Bobby Sloak also has an interesting background because he was a defensive assistant with like his dad was a defensive coordinator. So that checks out uh, for the Redskins and then the Niners and then moved over to offensive assistant from defensive quality control. So that's kind of intriguing to me. Like I like a guy who's willing to flip, you know, to understand how defenses work and then switches uh, and decides to become a, an offensive guru working under Kyle Shanahan. That's like a kind of an ideal um, resume, really, I think. Uh, so it's, he's, he's got promise, I think. And I, if you know, if it's, if this is a solid marriage, I, I am willing to buy into it because, you know, again, I like, I like Ryan's. I like, you know, the idea of bringing in competent people from San Francisco to take over. Um, they just need to figure out their talent evaluation and their process a little bit better. Um, but that one trade up to three for me is enough to give their entire offseason a D. Um, it's also kind of funny because you look at the turnover on this roster and like the names who they lost, none of them are like showstoppers, right? 
knowing you're like, oh my God, how are they going to fill this gap? Like, and there's a ton of guys who are just another guy. Um, but you know, they let a couple of good players walk out the door. Jonathan Owens is now a good depth for Green Bay's secondary. Brandon Cooks, we're expecting to make a meaningful impact in, in Dallas. You could sure use another wide receiver. Um, uh, Okoronkwo uh, is a player that nobody can seem to stop talking about in Cleveland with their D-line. Uh, wouldn't hurt to have him around. Jordan Akins is in Cleveland as well as a uh, another tight end option for Deshaun Watson. Um, and then everybody else, I don't think you're really losing slow sleep over, um, guys you bring in are exactly what you said. They took the paycheck. Um, these are guys that probably didn't have a ton of other options or offers or certainly not at the price that they came to Houston for, um, Devin Singletary is pretty replaceable piece of running back. I think you probably would have been yeah, better off. I, I going did see some good points to that too. Else. Like, they they ran um, Pierce into the ground a bit last year. Like yeah, Singletary is not going to yeah, it's not going to be exciting, but it's just like hey, it, it's a good change of pace and split some carries, and not make this guy tote the ball eight out of ten times, kind of things. But like yeah, the 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 wide receiver thing is worrisome for me. I think I'm a I'm a tank guy, I guess. Um, but there's, you know, still, it's just, it's, it's preseason. There's a lot to, there's a lot to be seen yet against, you know, starting defenses. So I'm, uh, all the rest of these I'm, guys I'm, are, I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little sketched out by yeah. what, what might end up being your, your wide receiver core here. Yeah. All the rest of these guys are pros at least, uh, Sheldon Rankins is a, he's a decent pro. Noah Brown's a fine, fine pro and wide receiver three or four, I guess, uh, Schultz fine fine pro uh Shaq Mason fine pro um above replacement level uh Denzel Perryman and Greg Little fall right on replacement level Corey Littleton Robert Woods Jamie Ward Hassan Ridgeway just below replacement level and then the rest of the guys I don't really know why you signed them you're probably going to cut them um and the draft you know you at least had some draft capital I just don't agree with the way you deployed it um overall this roster is enough to be what four, four or five point favorites over last year's Texans on a neutral three. They're definitely better than last year's Texans. This is a, a positive Delta with what you've added and presumably developing some of the young pieces. Um, but it's still bottom five in the league. Um, I give, I grade this roster starters 30th overall. Reserves third overall. So you actually have like a bunch of pros who are sitting on the bench, which I think is maybe the one thing to keep them open mind on with the Texans as the series, as the season goes on, you're going to get improvements presumably by Stroud as he gets more comfortable and the game slows down. You're also going to have a good coaching staff doing self-evaluation on the players on this roster and figuring out the right combination of the best guys. Because right now I can tell you looking at their depth chart, the best guys aren't starting at every position, <laughs> which is kind of wild. Um, so there's a potential that we're going to have to pretty actively change our rating as guys find roles and responsibilities and get shuffled around on this, uh, on this weird roster. Does that make sense? Yeah. And there's, there's a case to be made that this, this offensive line is better this year with the, uh, you know, Mason and and the rookie on the I guess the center and the right side there, like they did an okay job, you know, 
obviously allowing allowing some success on the ground. But if they if they improve the interior, you know, the pressure rate, I don't know like what the what the coefficient for that is. Like keeping keeping the interior pressure down is good for every quarterback. But like for a young guy trying to figure out at the speed of the league, like if you can if you can shore up the middle and not have that, you know, that immediate in your face pressure up the gut constantly, it feels like it's just gonna, you know, accelerate his his growth. And it's been kind of like I've watched a little bit. I caught some extra some replay and it's you know, he's got he's got that rookie jumpiness to him, but you're talking about juice scrugs? No, 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 the quarterback, Stroud. Oh, oh, Stroud, okay. Because they got what? a rookie center too, and that guy doesn't look ready to play. It's, you know, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's a kind of a work in progress. It's hopefully bringing a, God, what is the right guard's name? It's going to drive me nuts now. Uh, the one they drafted last year. Oh, Shaq Mason. No, Shaq Mason there. Bringing in Mason. Hopefully that helps a little okay. bit with uh, having to start a rookie at corner. Titus Howard's already hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, they need to get out. I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure what they're doing at right tackle right now. Uh, I, I remember seeing a lot of the Texans Patriots snaps and being like, this offense is not ready. Um, I, outside I of Tank Dell, give them a little bit. Outside yeah, of Tank Dell, who looks like an all pro. Because <laughs> the Patriots defense just looked good. Yeah, that's I wanted fair. To, but, but the offensive line se- was overmatched, right? It's hard to separate the two things sometimes. Like, hey, what's happening here? It's, and it's always a column A, column B. But I did want to give the Patriots a lot of credit there. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's, um, uh, yeah, if 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 they if there's some improvement, some of the some of the youth, and they're able to protect a little bit, and Stroud has time, they have two young receivers they drafted. They have a guy who's essentially a rookie, so it's another one of those uh, unknown unknowns. Kind of like, hey, there's a lot of upside with the wide receivers. We just we have no idea. We got to see it, and obviously, we saw a little bit with Tank Dell in the preseason game one. That was a lot of fun. He looks. There's some fun rookie receivers so far. I mean, we saw a little bit last night with Zay. I dig it. Um, okay, yeah, Tank Dell's gonna contribute probably. Surely he looks like he, he looks like he belongs. Um, all right, so the offense has had a tough time getting going. Some of it's Stroud, some of it's the offensive line, some of it's just it's a preseason. Don't read too much into it. But uh, this is. Uh, this is a, again a team that I am perfectly fine going in with a very low rating on and being w- willing to buy into upgrades as they uh, kind of figure out the right combination of players and as some of their young guys continue to uh, to get better. Right now, I make the offense 29th best in the NFL. I make the defense 26th best. Uh, their standout unit is the linebacking crew. The defensive backfield also somewhat solid, at least a little bit better than average. I have them as the number seven linebacking crew, and I think that's probably too high. Uh, who is driving that rating? Um, it's just a, I mean, kind of a deep crew. Like they have the redundancy with Kirksey and Perryman and Harris. Yeah, they're like all fine, good players. So, um, and there's experience. You have a lot. Uh... Him, Perriman, Littleton. You have a bunch of guys who've been in the league yeah, for a bit. Guys who've been around. Like you said, it, yeah. it's it's guys who are there. They're average or better. <laughs> and like you said, the, the secondary has a chance to be good. Yeah. There's a you know if Stingley takes a step forward, they have some players back there. It's 
it's not going to be bad. I think the biggest thing is the, the Jimmy Ward edition. Like that was maybe the one, uh, the one free agency signing that's like, hey, that shores up something. Like if that turns out all right, and I think you have a pretty good defensive line. It's not great. There's a lot of unknowns there too. But if the secondary takes a mi- minor step forward, and you know, Will Anderson turns out to be Will Anderson plus what we have up front. Mm-hmm. You know that this defense might not be horrid. So yeah, I, I think I think there's uh, some upside there. Best player I had uh, graded for their team or projecting for their team this year is Larry Retunzel. Uh Second best is Jalen Petrie. My numbers really loved Petrie last year. I don't know why. I guess he's maybe he's good. Um, but you know that's kind of like one of the least important positions. For he this group, he had five. He had know. five picks. He was uh he was pretty good that last year, rookie last year. But he's another one too where he was pretty good and like you said if he rated out well for you as a rookie there's definitely still more upside to him yeah i would i would believe that um okay but uh weak weak pass rush i mean you need will anderson to make any impact right away um the you know the the this this the hallmark of the uh san francisco 49ers d-line is being able to rotate fresh bodies in and getting contributions from lots of different player places in lots of unique ways and they don't have the bodies for that um if we're going if we're dipping into the uh um the jake hansons of the world the chase winoviches of the world the dylan hortons of the world the kurt hinnishes of the world to try to generate pass rush, I got bad news for you. We are not going to be generating much pressure, um, which I think is going to put a ton of pressure on the secondary. But uh, there's, a, there's, the, there's, yeah, there's good, there's good players there, so they should be able they, to at least. They are returning end. their leading sack. Uh, this is Jerry Hughes from last year or Greener? Million, million year old Jerry Hughes. It's Jerry, yeah, Jerry Hughes. It I, is Jerry. I, Hughes. I, yeah, I have yeah, him great. Nine, yeah. nine sacks somehow last year. Yeah, he, I um, have him as their second best defensive player based on last year's ratings. So yeah, they, they drafted a piece out of TCU, and like you said, Winovich and a couple other pieces they brought in. It's certainly not going to be the same that uh, D'Amico got to play with in San Francisco, but. Has a chance if some of those guys take little steps forward, and Anderson obviously has to play a lot more than uh, you know what what players are expected to if with the Niners with that or uh, Philly with a you know a deep rotation that you can just keep cycling really good pass yeah, rushers and right. really good even just good run stuffers guys who are both ways. Um, Anderson, I've, you know, I think he's only had like twenty snaps in the first two preseason games, but. I mean, he's, he's looking good. It's it's tough. Okay. It's tough to ju- it's tough to judge, but it's like, I mean, it's kind of as advertised so far. So I'm, I'm excited to see him against, you know, a, a you know a full starting team, yeah. a, a full starting offense with a full offensive game plan in a regular season game. See what we get. But so yeah. far, the, the as advertised, I'd say is he athletic enough to to get after Lamar Jackson week one. I think uh, I think that's going to go poorly for the Houston Texans. Okay. Um, what uh, what what because would define... if, if the secondary and the if the secondary and the pass rush get you know make these improvements, I don't yeah. think it's happening out of the gate, Drew. Yeah, I is think there a... really struggle with that offense right away? Yeah, yeah. I am not no disagreement at all. Um, two questions for you about CJ Stroud. What would you be looking out for in his performance over the first quarter of the season? to as some sign that he gets it like what is it is there anything about his game that you'd like to see 
and, you know, translate to the pros to be like, okay, they made, they made the right pick. He's the second, maybe the best quarterback in this draft. That's my first question. And second question, is he going to snap the um, cold streak of Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL? Maybe, maybe. Um, what, what I'd like to see is just, you know, it, it, it's that intangible that we saw with, Lesser so with Trevor Lawrence, but he still had it. Like Trevor Lawrence, obviously the first few your first year wasn't great. That team wasn't good, but he did show quite a bit of poise for a young a young quarterback coming into the league. Obviously, that's changed a lot how we bring in young quarterbacks. You used to, you used to just sit your ass on the bench for a couple of years, no matter what. And you know now guys are drafted high and expected to play right away. But man. Like if you could see fifty percent of the poise we saw from Joe Burrow right off the bat, you know that I'm not letting this moment be too big for you know that that was the biggest thing for me with Burrow. It's just, and I think that affects every part of the game. If you're not if you're not out there just happy footing it around and worried, everything else is just going to be easier. You have to get and it's it's probably just a mental barrier for a lot of these guys. So it's hard to say like that. But if he looks the part, even if he's making some mistakes. I'll be I'll be happy right off the bat, and then after we get over that hurdle, I need to see it. I'm going to make uh, Lipscomb happy here because I'm going to reference Howell. We need to see some of the stuff we saw from Howell last night, where that's not things we saw from you know because because Howell is essentially kind of it's not like he had a full season, you know. It's it's he had a little bit. We're, we're still we're still digging into what He's we're going to see. Taking as we, many snaps as like uh, as Jordan Love, right? Yeah, <laughs> but we, we did get to see him a little. And if you compare what you put on tape last year to, to what we saw last night, it's like, hey, that guy that guy made some good reads. That guy made a few good passes. Obviously, still a little sketchy in the face of heavy pressure. Who isn't? But like, if you see that, hey, there is a definite step forward in his progressions, how he's reading defenses, the decision-making. And like that's what you're looking for midseason because that that's just not going to come week one for maybe anybody outside of goddamn Joe Burrow. Fucking just right off the bat, it's like man, this guy just gets it. <sighs> okay, I don't really have um, a rubric for for for. Sam says Howell's going to suck. I I don't I don't know that I don't know that the the Commanders have a great season. I don't know that Howell is a great quarterback this year, but what he did what he put on tape last night compared to what we saw last year was a good sign. Like that's all you can ask for with these young quarterbacks is like, Hey, are you doing the same shit you did six weeks ago that caused your team to lose? Or are you fixing that? Are you making steps towards your, your pre-snap reads, your post-snap progressions? Are you making good decisions? Are you, you know, are you leaving the pocket when you should, or are you leaving the pocket just cause you're freaking out? Okay. Do you, do you look the part? So and you know he has all these young receivers. There's un, seems like unlimited, untapped upside that we might not know about uh, between uh, was it Hutchinson and, and Mechie as well. Okay, so young, unproven skill position players that can grow with your quarterback. I like that. Uh, if the offensive line stay you know, has cohesion, everybody stays healthy, they'll probably be good for balance of the season and then that should give cj stroud the runway he needs to at least prove that he's the guy this year um i would expect him to be perfectly available and play you know start 17 games so we're going to get a good sample on him this year um and i think realistically there's enough 
questions about other quarterbacks and offensive systems across across the league that uh just you know if you if your defense is if your defense does come together under Demico Ryan's, then yeah, you know you might be you know flirting with five hundred this year. Seven and ten is probably a realistic kind of ceiling for these guys. Um, let's look at their schedule. Yeah, look at see uh, if that see if that jives with uh, who they play. So there are some there are some very tough spots here. Some big numbers. You, you can see these. You know, there's there's four over a touchdown right at the bat, but. There's there's winnable games and you know like you alluded to earlier they're in the AFC South there's winnable games there's a bunch of uncertainty around basically all the all the quarterbacks except one you have you know very winnable divisional games at least four of them you have games against Arizona you have games against Baker Mayfield and Tampa you have games against you know what whatever we're going to see from Pittsburgh Atlanta New Orleans those are teams that you know, all could be good but Still have to see it. You have, uh, like you said, you have the indie game, um, and I mean, it, seven's tough to it's tough to me to get to. Like, I think this win total set about where it should be. Okay, I'd, I'd have a hard time. I guess I'd have to see where the juice is on the under. If it was a plus number on the under, I'd maybe think about it. But it, it's hard for them to see them getting wins like at Jacksonville, at Baltimore, at Cincy. They're just massive yeah, ass. That's okay. Those are those. I don't. I don't. You, know, you, want, you want to put those? Yeah, you want to put the schedule dolls there? That's fine. But uh, this is not a. Uh, this is not an intimidating schedule from no. the perspective of opposing quarterbacks. Um, I count ten. Offenses that are not going to run away from you yeah. on this schedule. So there are ten games where if you can put together a clean uh, offensive performance, if uh, you know if your pieces develop, you're going to have a chance. You're going to be in that, those games. There are, I count seven here where it's realistic you're going to get boat raced. Um, the fact that you get to play some other young quarterbacks is is very positive for you as a team. Uh, only one game that's not at 1 p.m. on Sunday. How about that? They got a 4 p.m. <laughs> 4 p.m. or <laughs> uh, hosting uh, Russ Wilson and company on, uh, on December 3rd. lack of primetime games. <laughs> a lot. This is yeah. a... They, gave, gonna, they yeah. gave the state of Texas like eight primetime games. Yeah. If you want to see C.J. Stroud, you're going to have to tune into um, the... Uh, What's the what's the what's the last hour of, of the red CBS. zone? What's oh, the, the, the witching hour? Witching hour. You want to see CJ Stroud? You're going to catch him on the witching hour every Sunday at one at one p.m. Pacific, four p.m. Eastern. Um, as he's I trying think, to I think back. they'll be in a lot of these games. Like I said. think they will there's, too. There's upside. There's there's upside with his defense. There's a, a chip chair and a chance that we have a decent receiving core. Um, like you said. Some injuries, some unknowns on the on the offensive line. You have a very strong left tackle, at least, but the uh, kind of the the depth is lacking. Like if none of these young receivers work out, it, it could go kind of pear shaped in a hurry. Because I mean, what's your what's your you have Dalton Schultz? That's great, but you know their their backup tight end. Like your depth at tight end is. And the only reason we know this guy's name is because of the Quentin Tarantino jokes when he was the first touchdown scorer in one of those games last <laughs> year. It's like, is that what Tegan Quinter Tegan Quintariano? Quintariano. 
Yeah, that was the the joke tweets is like when you ask your when you ask your mom who directed Reservoir Dogs. Tegan Quinteriano. Tegan Quinteriano. <laughs> That's so good. That, obviously, it's a, it's a rebuilding team. There's not a lot of depth. I dig that. Okay. Uh, no, no, no rest to speak of either way of note. Um, not a lot of well, travel. Not a lot, not a lot of crazy you're, Yeah, you're at, a, you're at a travel advantage more than you're at a disadvantage. A uh, couple of cold weather games, but big deal. Uh, CJ Stroud is used to playing in the cold in December, so that's fine. Um, okay. That's, yeah, this is not, not, nothing to really write home. Oh, wait, 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 let me ask you. Bellwether game for uh, this uh, Texans offense is where? Oh, I mean, it's probably right away week two. You want to see how them? Do, you want to see they, them? Yeah, throw on Indy. Yeah, how do they say a home game versus a, a, a kind of a, another team that's somehow doing a rebuild at this point in their in their uh, life cycle? Like, I want I want to see how they do against that secondary. Yeah, that's bad versus bad. Really young in their careers, though, so I think that one's going to be tough to really take a conclusion away from i'm going to put the That's bellwether week good. six i want to see how you play at home against the saints defense that i think is on the decline and you're going to need to score to keep up with the saints offense i think right so you have a home game where if your offense comes and and shows up you are surprisingly frisky i think that week six one is going to tell us a lot and you're heading into your bye after that so whatever you put on tape that's good you can build on during that time so um that's going to kind of you know that's going to be a pretty consequential watch uh to determine what you want to do coming out of the bye because you have those two games carolina tampa where if houston shows you something week six offensively i might be stumping the table but houston week eight week nine um could be interesting because those are better defenses yeah all right take a look at these betting odds i think we might get a big number here Oh, 180. Boy, out of zero. <laughs> They're in the AFC South, but the uh, the first part of that is still the AFC 85 to 1. To win the AFC 10 to 1, to win the division, make the playoffs at 5 to 1. And the win total is juiced to the under 6.5, minus 142, plus 116 on the comeback the other way. I don't know. Like, again, if. I'm, I'm not so sure there's a lot of preseason bets I'd be looking at on this team. You know, if, if you really are bullish on one of the wide receivers to pop off, that's a hard ask too, because, you know, I guess I'm going to contradict myself because it, it does seem tough for a, a wide receiver to win rookie of the year with a unheralded quarterback, but man, Go look at go look at who Garrett Wilson was having thrown the ball to him last year. I guess it's 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 possible. It's doable. Um, there was a little more trust in that offense than uh, the other parts of that offense, and I'm giving this team right now. Didn't so Garrett Wilson eat on Flacco days? He, I mean he he was good throughout the season, but yeah, Flacco definitely had some. Flacco had like two pretty good uh, stat lines when he played. I feel like. And even, you know, even CW, who I guess I'm co- we're all coming around on it. These fucking TV shows just screw with everyone's head. Like, everyone's in love with Kirk Cousins now. And now after a couple of hard knocks, it's like, oh, shucks. Aaron Rodgers is making I haven't watched any of this shit. I, I'm, I've watching? only watched the 
I've only watched the first episode of Hard Knocks, but I kept I keep up on the you know the news and it's it's making Zach Wilson likable, which I, makes me not want to watch it. Oh, it's so it's so so, so spinny. Um, range of outcomes to me is pretty narrow band. Four yeah, less than less than four wins would shock me. More than seven would shock me. So we're talking about a pretty like tight five, five four, and six, five, six a lot. Uh, five and six a lot. Yeah. Let me look at my. Uh, I finished all my my actual projections with kind of guessing at what the final rosters are going to be. My mean wins for Houston five and a half. So okay, I'm, I guess we're on the same page then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> five and six hits a lot actually. Five and six make up. A little over thirty-five percent of my distribution. That's big. That's a big chunk. Um, I just would. I would like to see week six. That's all. All I really care about. I, I would like to see week six. Uh, a live frisky offense against a Saints defense that I think is haveable. And if we see that, then I think there's going to be a case to back these guys in situational spots down the stretch. Otherwise. Pack it up and we'll revisit you next year without Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Um, Charles Saul in the chat makes a, and Sam apparently co signs. Mechie does seem like one of the few people that can make a case for comeback player of the year. If Mar Hamlin is not starting, if he's playing 10 snaps a game, if he's injured again, if he doesn't play much this season, then that narrative fades. Mechie had cancer, guys. Like that's, I mean, we, we've, we've given someone and granted Barry played very well that year, but I mean, that's a, that's a boost for sure. Having an illness is like definitely a narrative that the media could get around if, if he comes and plays well. I and mean, he was, he was like, I had a rookie of the year ticket on him last year. I, I liked how he was, uh, I liked how he looked in school. I thought maybe we'd get something out of him in that offense. Obviously he had a couple of injuries or he had an injury as well, but. Um, yeah, Mechie, it depends on the number, obviously, and it depends on Hamlin because there's a, you know, if Hamlin's just a starter, it's just kind of a, a default. You've you've won. You've already won, buddy. Like, congrats and congrats on getting, you know, it's it's the Alex Smith one at that point. Like, hey, the guy came back and actually played an NFL game. Do you remember when he played that yeah. first time? Like, I swear to God. It, I'll never forget where I was when I saw that photograph of him on the Viking recently. <laughs> Oh fucking shit! <laughs> I and I'm I'm probably misremembering this and overstating it, but it felt like it was like the second or third play that he was under center. Aaron Donald like jumped on his back, <laughs> and it was somewhere early in the game. And I'm like, oh no, he's that. I'm just gonna watch this leg shatter on live TV. That's not good. I don't want to see this. Tough, toughed it out. Good for him. Okay. Um. Well, I wish he hadn't uh, squandered your future Texans. Uh, because you know, I like I would like the AFC South to be interesting sooner rather than later. But um, I don't think. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe betting plan for this team is you know take them as a home dog, take them in some of these spots against. If you're seeing some things you like out of this younger secondary, if you're seeing Will Anderson really making a difference, yeah, and that defense is going to keep him in games against some of these, you know middling teams definitely a team i could get behind as a dog i don't have a strong like season long betting excuse me betting plan for them but it's more of what i love against the jags actually like 
the Jags don't really have a pass rush. You're going to give Strat a lot of time. Yeah, teams that can't exploit, you know, the uh, some of the uncertainty up front. Yeah, Stingley and Petrie and that secondary can if they can cover at Ward, you know, Ridley and Kirk keep them in that game. That'll be an interesting handicap. I'll look, what's your What's your grading on Stephen Nelson? Uh, who does he play for? <laughs> <laughs> he's probably he's a starting corner. Uh, Steve. Oh yeah, capital Stephen Nelson. Um, I have him a a, a C hair better than uh, uh, replacement level. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Could be. Could be an okay secondary. So. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah, we're just hoping the new regime and they were. Yeah, this is one of these teams. I had it written down here which teams did this because there was only a few, but. Uh, the Broncos, the Panthers, the Cardinals, and Houston are the three teams that f- four teams that fired all three coaches, the co- both coordinators and the head coach. You know, last last thought oh, on these guys. Team. Last thought on these guys. Two completely independent sources told us that the people, you know, the 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 scouts and. Um, folks in um evaluation room had will levis as qb2 and if they had just taken him two and then the titans trade up and take stroud three and then the colts take richardson four i think the nfl draft is a lot happier day for me (laughs) so i'm kind of annoyed that they pivoted uh off that plan and uh I'm kind of annoyed that somebody higher than whoever was doing the evaluation said Stroud's the guy. So if he ultimately fails, I'm not really going to be sad because I, you know, I still have a little bit of uh, uh, unresolved feelings about the way that the 2023 NFL draft played out. (laughs) Yeah. It was a, In all the drafts that I've played very close attention to over the last few years, it was the one with the most why kind of thing. <laughs> Between the Texans and the Lions, and obviously I'm just used to the Raiders doing it. I actually like the Raiders draft. Our most well-connected friend gave us the news, too, and it was so much going on, it. and I ignored it. Yeah. It, but it was at it was at what time? Do you remember about what time it was? I think I took a screenshot. Like it was at like around four hours. It was, yeah, there was still. I thought it was like early afternoon. Of hours. It, there was at least an hour, and the numbers that well, he, the numbers he was kind offshore, of waffling on it too. Yeah, the like, numbers off. He's like, this guy was right about Stingley. Yeah. He was like, this guy's right about Stingley, but it sounds so stupid. I can't actually believe it. <laughs> that was, <a> <laughs> that was kind of the, yeah, I was no, like, this is, they're not that stupid. Uh, oh, no, they are. Oh, oh okay. Um, okay. But yeah. Oh, well. All right. Let's. Hi, uh... Gons. I'll resolve those feelings now. Go CJ Stroud. Do well. Be a good pro. I want. We want better football, not shitty football. Oh, like, I want. I want two break or three the curse. Young quarterbacks to turn out good. To pop. Yeah. Let's just keep popping. Yeah. Let's talk about one that I think has a higher ceiling. 